Hi, and welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash. My name is Dawn, and I'm the editor of Cash Alumni, the fastest growing professional network of current and future care and education practitioners. You can join us for free at cashalumni.org.uk and get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advisors, access to job vacancies, and our member benefits scheme. And today's episode of the podcast was a really nice excuse for me to catch up with a colleague. So, Stacey, if you can tell everyone who you are and why you are talking, then that would be great. Okay. Um, I'm Stacey Mann. I'm the Early Years and Childcare Specialist for NCFE Cash. Um, prior to, to doing doing this role. Um, I have been working in the early years sector for the last 20 years um, as a nursery nurse, um, nursery manager, children's centre manager and then went on to become an MVQ assessor, tutor, lecturer um, and had a real focus on well-being and a real interest in promoting positive behaviour. So um, I, I went on to become a relaxed kids coach and a charge up coach because my interest in well-being um, just became greater and greater and I wanted to do something to help um, in regard to staff well-being, um, parent well-being and the children's well-being. So that's me. <laughs> that's really exciting. So what, what is a charge up coach? What, what, is a, what, what did you do? Okay, so Relax Kids and Charge Up are two se- two separate programmes. Relax Kids is uh, mindfulness really, mindful activities um, for children aged from three all the way through to adults. Um, and what we found with Relax Kids, you go through seven steps to relaxation. So um, very good for today's session actually on self-regulation because it, it's, it's about how you can take children from high energy and bring them all all the way down to complete relaxation. So we start with playing and moving, getting the children sort of out of their minds and into their bodies. Um, And we do lots of stretching. So they're yoga-esque stretches, um, but we do them um, according to the theme that we're doing. So, for example, if we were doing it about animals, we'd get the children to stretch in an animal way and just make it really relevant to them. Then we would go on to feel, which is massage. So we do things like tapping. Um, we do, diff- uh, prior to the pandemic, we did peer-on-peer massage, um, where they might do, draw, you know, draw uh, things on each other's backs and like that to calm the nervous system and then we would go on to positive affirmations so the children would be saying nice things about themselves and each other and then we would have some relaxation so guided visualizations really so they lie down on the floor we might have some gentle music playing um, they might do some grounding and then I would read them a guided visualization to calm their bodies and relax and then charge up was sort of born out of that and charge up is very much for teens young people and i found worked very well with parents as well and staff who are working with children and so um charge up works in on the same sort of premise as relax kids but um it's a bit of a grown-up flavor so we do more about the whys so why are we doing movement you know why are we stretching why are we doing all of these things and for parents, when I've done it as a parent program, it's then had an impact on the children, of course, um, because in terms of self-regulation, 
as the adult in the child's life, we need to know how to self-regulate before we can help them to self-regulate so we can co-regulate. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really important when people talk about um, like children's behaviour and all of that sort of stuff is that actually in a lot of ways that, that, that can be instigated by parents. If you're shouting at your child, then you can't really be surprised that they either cry or shout back. And actually, I've been really lucky because I've been able to talk about self-regulation for the podcast with many young buyer in the past. So um, when we're talking, there will be things I keep referring back to in that conversation because yeah. it's it's fascinating how we interact as a species and actually how much of, of an impact we can, we can have on each other's behaviour. Um, I think we'll see that a little bit at the minute you know everyone's got a different home situation in the pandemic and a lot of us are working from home or pre-press and record where we're talking about those learning environments and how actually some kids aren't in the classroom because they're isolating or they're in their own home environments and we need to think a little bit more at the minute about what other people's situations are you know, I've had meetings where my colleagues have been playing with their kids at the same time as talking to me about stuff. And it's it's nice, I think, to get a little bit of a glimpse as to what other people are navigating at home in terms of that environment and either being able to help them to negotiate it by moderating how we interact with them or take things from that and go, oh, actually, that's a really good idea. I might do X, Y or Z whilst I do this. Really good idea, isn't it? I think um, staff in particular when you're working in schools and working in set- settings, you do you do really long hours and they're tiring hours and I I often refer to it as emotional labour, you know, because we you're so emotionally invested in these children that you're caring for, whether you're the parent or the adult in um, in, a, in a setting or in a school. Um, you are emotionally involved with these children and you really love them and want them to thrive and want them to succeed and you're so right that in this time everybody you see even if you're walking down the street everybody you see has an element of fight flight or freeze in them and during the pandemic um, I, I, I thought it was even more important to have a toolkit a toolkit to tap into where you could say do you know what I'm not feeling great right now let me go and 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 just tap into one of those tools that you've got in your toolkit I'm very lucky I feel I'm very grateful that I have those tools in my toolkit but I was really conscious that during lockdown in particular that there's many many adults many parents who haven't got these tools and children need these tools from day one Um, and if they haven't got that from the parents you know if the parents don't know how to self-regulate if the adults that are working with the children don't know how to self-regulate then we can't expect our children to have positive behavior and concentration and you know a happy mood all the time because they have bad days too and they are picking up on our energies constantly um and i'm a really strong believer in in picking up on other people's energies and sharing our oxytocin and you know all that sort of thing because you do have a massive impact on the people that are around you so you've got to walk into any office in the 
you know, on a normal day to, to, to be able to know that, you know, you walk in and you immediately get a sense of the room or you know something's happened or we've all walked into a room and known that we're not welcome. Um, yes. It's something in our lives that, that we do get things in the air almost that yeah. we can't necessarily yet explain. Yeah, that's true. And the, the children pick up on that. Um, I know my children do. My children are, are seven and six and some days it can get to sort of the afternoon and I think what is the matter with my children today what is what's up with them they're not behaving in the way that they normally behave they're really angry they're losing their temper really quickly and I immediately go within I immediately think oh hang on it's not them this is not what they they have got going on maybe I am projecting something that's going on with me and once I self-reflect or take myself out of that situation and breathe or take my shoes off and stand outside and ground, which I do a lot of, I, I, I think uh, actually they're picking this up from me and I need to self-regulate, go back to them, be calm with them and it can change the whole day around, it really can. And. I think the more that we are aware of that, I think self-awareness within self-regulation is really, really important for the adults, is how, how do you self-regulate? If you ask a room of people, which I have done on many occasions, how do you self-regulate? A lot of the adults in the room cannot tell you. Yeah, um, I've been able to tell you this time like a year and a half yeah. ago, like I'm, I'm 33, I'll be 34 in December. Um, and I def definitely wouldn't not only not have known in terms of not understood the terminology or not being able to, to answer your question but I think it was an alien concept like it wasn't something that I'd ever had an awareness of and I think for, for the vast majority of people really the idea that that's how it works is is a step of thinking too far if that makes yeah. sense because it's all about how you feel in that moment and you react or respond based on how you feel and if yeah. someone says something and it makes you feel anxious or it makes you feel attacked or it makes you feel a certain way then that is how they made you feel and that is yeah. how you respond and I think that it, it having you know the tools or the the awareness of actually I felt attacked because I feel a bit sensitive about this thing and or you know and just being able to sort of piece why I feel like that together before I respond to things yeah. has had a massive positive impact on yeah. personal relationships but also like in a work environment you know like I take feedback and criticism much better now than I might have done even just a couple of years ago because when that criticism is given I can see it for what it is and I can yeah. see it for the helpful support of I want you to do this this way because it will be the best for you yeah. rather than that's rubbish do it like yeah. this you know like you you feel differently about things once you're aware of how or why you feel the way you feel about them does that that's make sense right. yeah that's right it's your emotional intelligence isn't it and I think emotional intelligence is something that everybody seems to be much more aware of which is great um, and in the workplace I think um, practitioners should be learning about emotional intelligence because if we've got early learning goals for personal social emotional development in the new framework 
that actually says self-regulation, we need to know what that is. We need to be able to do it ourselves. We need to be able to model it to the children and share that information far and wide because we can argue against these um, early learning goals coming into play. We can argue against it and debate about it and campaign against it. Or we can learn about what it means and deliver it in the best way that we can because ultimately it's coming in. You know, it, it is already out there. It's it's in the early adopter stages and people are using the framework already. And so we need to really educate ourselves about what self-regulation is and how we can work on ourselves so the children see that. And I've seen with my own children, being a relaxed kids coach, you know, and I'm not perfect in any way, shape, shape or form. None of us are. And I still have my moments and I still have... You're human, aren't you? Yeah, well, we're, we're we all... And I, th- I also think the children need to see that as well. Um, that it's okay to lose it sometimes you don't have to be balanced all the time that's a really good point in that um personally i think we've seen that in 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 our family fairly recently um i lost my grandma um a few months ago um and we've always been really rubbish at open like feelings um in the i grew up and I was always told how important it was to be able to cry or to be able to show me feelings or to, but actually I can't do that. And it's not because I wasn't told it was important or told it was okay. It's because whilst my mum was telling it was telling us it was okay, she was also pretending everything was okay and she wasn't doing that. Um, and that's something I'm learning sort of very, very recently that because I've got an 11 year old niece, like we are talking about before, and she needs to know it's okay to not be okay so we're all like really now that again like looking at self-regulation and looking at co-regulation and looking at how kids learn stuff and how kids react to stuff me going yeah but it's okay it's all very well and good saying it we've got to all do it like you know and trying to convince them all that that's it that's made me go all goose pimply dawn honestly it's it's so true isn't it that you know, as a as a parent as well, I'm I'm sort of reflecting on that in my mind already. Uh, one of the reasons that I find that open display of emotions difficult now, yeah, you know, I've reflected on it and I've, I've I've you know had that space to go, why can't I do this? Yeah. One is that I was never shown it, but also it's that I feel quite a, a high emotional like it's a responsibility for other people's emotional burden once they see that I'm sad, yeah. and once someone sees that I'm sad and I make them sad, then. I stop thinking about how I feel so for me sometimes it's better to do that in the shower and have a cry by myself where I can actually allow myself to continue it's I suppose like selfishly and self-indulgently you know like if I want to really feel sad and I really want to let myself feel it then I'm better off not doing that in front of other people because I'm the sort of person who it immediately stops being about me then and I think she needs to know that that's okay too that it's really yeah yeah it makes total sense and I think this goes way back to when children are babies and they're crying and our first instinct as an adult is to stop the crying you know um let's you know we need to stop them crying we need to stop them crying and actually sometimes you need to cry and sometimes that's the best way to get it out as adults we need to be comfortable around that 
uh, in settings in particular. Like that's the bit, isn't it? As adults, how do we know? I think that's all about your attachment with that child. I think as you get to know that child, you get to know what is, what works for them, what doesn't work for them, and what they need. Um, and practitioners are with children for such a long time that they do get to know the different cries and and what is needed and and I think taking a step back and thinking am I needed here or can they do this but by themselves you can you can sort of reflect in the moment my two children are completely different when it comes to their emotions you have Zara who's my youngest she's six and if she's having a cry she wants to do it by herself and through trial and error of cuddling her, being near her, doing everything that I knew how to do to calm her down, I had to completely reinvent it all because it wasn't working for her. And she would, she would literally kick and scream and push me away. Which, as a as as a mum, I was just like, oh my goodness, she must not love me, you know, just sort of really selfishly thought, oh my goodness, why isn't she bonding with me? when really all she needed was for me to leave her alone for a second and just say sweetheart I'm here when you need me yeah Do I it. did a few months of a social work degree back back in my early 20s <laughs> one of the first things that, that I was taught within that few few months um was that the main question you should always ask yourself in any interaction as a social worker is who am I doing this for yeah is this for me or is yeah. this for them? Like, who's this going to make feel better? And yeah. that's the sort of core of all of those interactions that I now have as a mental health first aider, as yeah. just a general nice person. Yeah, and, and trust the children, you know, give them some credit. You know, a lot of the time, I think, especially under fives, because they haven't been given, you know, all the tools already, that they just instinctively know what to do I mean if you've ever watched a baby or a toddler rolling around on the floor they get into yoga positions <laughs> by themselves because they know that that feels good to their body and they are self-regulating in that moment they are calibrating or recalibrating all of the chemicals all of the hormones in their bodies because they instinctively know how to do yoga poses <laughs> What we've seen from programmes in the past, such as Super Nanny, where there's been a strategy put into place and in an edited programme we've seen success or what they deem to be success is a, a child conforming to what they've asked them to do and following instructions and listening and all of that sort of thing. Um, some of the techniques that have been taken from that are quite damaging, you know, leaving children to cry for long periods of time. Um, you know the whole naughty step thing and um, a real sort of disattachment and not co-regulating at all it, it can be damaging um, but it does open conversations you're right and I think if we take the right things from from those conversations and, and try to improve our practice not only as parents but as practitioners as well and I think practitioners um, whether you have got your own children or you haven't got your own children and you work in early years, 
just an understanding that behaviour is communication and what can I do about this? How can I support this child? How can I help them to learn from this? What tools can I give them? What does the does the environment look like? And sort of going back to the environment from the, from the start of our conversation about having a space, you know, to just go and have a lie down. If, you, if you're tired, you don't have to be stimulated for the whole 12 hours that you might be at nursery or 10 hours that you might be at nursery having an area where you can go and lie down and you can access things that are going to soothe you like like a mermaid material pillow for example um you know the mermaid material where you you stroke the sequins and they change color a lot of children find that those very soothing and if you've got something like that as well as other tools in that environment for the children to access and to calm down with and to to do some breathing and to do some tapping um maybe do a little bit of massage in there you know you could get the children to to run the cars all over their arms and things like that loads and loads of different tools and techniques physical tools you know um tangible tools that you can you can use all the time but also things that you've got with you all the time like your breath and breathing is you know the number one self-regulation technique um, for us to be able to deeply breathe in and out and, and, and show the children how to do that is really really important both inside and outside I see a lot of settings who have got an indoor quiet area uh, where the children might be able to go and and relax but not always outside and some children prefer to be outside and lie on the grass and look up at the sky and watch the clouds. Actually like I got overwrote in those overhead lights and that I was really really overstimulated by the time it came to break time. So the idea of going and having a run around and playing with other kids and, and socialising and having that I needed a bit of introvert time to like sort myself out but it, the encouragement was always to to go and get outside, run, run off run. some steam, you know, go and do yeah. it. And actually, there wasn't an option to to go and sit by yourself because then you were the weird kid, you know. Like you, it yeah. was, you were very much encouraged to to go and join in. Absolutely, and I think for learners that are going into early years and becoming practitioners um, in the early years sector or in in education, it's okay to be the quiet nursery practitioner, early years practitioner, uh, early years educator, it's okay to be that. We need all sorts of different practitioners, diverse practitioners, because I think there is this, um, when when I've spoken to learners about this, they're like, oh, well, I'm quite quiet to work with children. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of all jazz hands and all singing, all dancing, and you don't all have to be like that. You know, it takes lots and lots of different practitioners to to support the children and for them to see that in an adult, for the children to see that in an adult is is so crucial to their self-esteem, their self-confidence to know it's okay to be quiet and it's okay. And maybe if the environment lent itself to that, if you went out into the playground and there was an area that was, you know, like a den, pleasing to the eye, but you can go in and you can be quiet. And even practitioners and educators saying, that's the quiet area, let's not, because I've seen a few promoting positive environments um, on my travels where they've had a lovely quiet area, it's been wonderful, it's got all of these bits and pieces in there, it's got 
lovely books and things for you to, and it, it's it says quiet to you you know this is the relaxing area and then on the back of that they've got the musical instruments or right next to it they've got the role play area what is it communicating to the children and how can we ensure that they have some space to, to let those emotions go and it's not about us going you're feeling angry and picking them up and putting them in that space it's about them being able to access that space themselves and the practitioners modeling that you know I'm, I'm you know if I'm feeling really anxious or I'm feeling really angry and I think that language is important important as well I'm feeling this that way it's not who I am I'm just at this moment in time I might be feeling angry say to the children I'm feeling a little bit angry at the moment I'm feeling a little bit frustrated I'm going to go and lie over here for a little bit for a moment you know lie down on the floor and and really model that behavior and when I've done that with my own children they've seen me get the mermaid material pillow in the house and just and and or they've brought it to me <laughs> mum you look a bit stressed do you want the mermaid material pillow or do you want this but do you want to go and lie down yeah 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 you're having a giggle and it sounds like you know because it you feel like it sounds weird yeah. but it's not and actually yeah. we need to do more of that as grown-ups as well it's not just about self-regulation being something we need to teach children yeah. it's about co-regulation only being able to happen if we both do it and actually the vast majority of grown-ups going back to what we said earlier on don't even recognize that it's a thing that we could be in that loop in our head where we feel that way not because of what's going on but because of something that happened a few days ago or because of the the way we felt when we woke up this morning or the way that we started our day. One of my colleagues in the marketing team noticed that I'm a really tactile person in the way that I deal with my excess mental energy at work or you know like sitting and having something to play with. As I'm talking to you now I'm sitting playing with the gemstones that, that live on my desk because they're nice little smooth surfaces to, to sort of sit and feel. I've got a worry stone that's very similar and, and my colleague brought me in a pom-pom from my wedding because she'd noticed that I like to sit and play with things and she, she brought me in a pom-pom so that I had something to sit and fiddle with at my desk and I think that recognition that it's okay you know again going back to how we were taught as children and how things have moved on in in recent understanding of how people work doodling while the teacher was talking yeah not listening where actually sometimes it's about processing information and you know it, it is better to have that focus especially for kids now where they've actually grown up as digital natives and they're brain pathways have developed differently because they are doing two things at once in terms of sitting playing on their phone while the telly's on and you know like they are taking in two different streams of information and I think it's important as educators to recognize that not everyone's brain works the way that yours does and that they might actually concentrate better sitting having a doodle like we do in meetings as grown-ups. Really powerful isn't it to just think of it from somebody else's point of view and um, you saying that then took me right back to when I first started teaching 12 years ago and I had a learner um, who um, in, a, in a 16 to 18 year old environment she just kept clicking her pen and tapping the table and even back then because I was really irritated by it, really irritated by it and I remember thinking I need to do something for her she's obviously a kinesthetic learner she obviously needs to be moving while she's writing 
what can I do? What can I do? Rather than just be irritated by her. Um, and I got her some blue tack and I just gave it to her at the beginning of, the, of the, the second week. And I just gave her a little lump of blue tack and she looked at me in a really strange way at first, but she never clicked her pen again <laughs> in the classroom. And she just, she, she was listening. She didn't need to take notes. She didn't need to discuss it necessarily, but she was absorbing everything. And by the end of that 10 weeks, she had really absorbed everything that we've, we've talked about. And I wonder, had I not given her that blue tack or had I took the pen off her in the first week and showed her how irritated I was, that what that would have done to her learning, how that would have changed her learning. Then if we apply that into the into the early years, there's a lot of times, there's a lot of situations where we could think about what the children are doing and change what we're doing. You know, yeah. if you've got a child in front of you that is fidgeting, you know, is, is the carpet comfortable? Yeah. Have you sat on that floor yourself? You know that when I was in early years learner myself, which admittedly is a very long time ago, you know, there was that sit properly. You know, we all have to sit in a uniform way actually as a a child who at the time had an undiagnosed connective tissue disorder sitting cross-legged on the floor with my arms folded was really uncomfortable but being able to lie semi-super you know sit you know with my legs out at ridiculous angles or you know was much more comfortable and much more therefore conducive to me having a good education and actually being able to concentrate and learn definitely and even you know that's even more more poignant right now isn't it when things are feeling a little bit different at home and even even the most emotionally intelligent of people who have you know re- live a really balanced life and are able to self-regulate and all have th- those tools in their toolkit are struggling the one thing that I was going to mention that I didn't and I think um really helps me as a, as a as an educator as um and as a parent and as our family is we do something called the smile score it was created by dr laura vater and she created it for adults however i think it can be adapted for children staff everybody um, and it works on the acronym of smile so it's looking at what your well-being like well-being is like on a on a day so for example we'll do the smile score on the walk from school so if i can see my children children's well-being isn't particularly high or i feel like my well-being isn't particularly high i'll quickly do the smile score so the smile score is s is for sleep have you had enough sleep have you had enough rest and you know what quality of that uh, quality of sleep and rest M is for movement. Have you moved your body today? Have you exercised? Have you done some physical activity? I is for inhale, exhale. So have you took some really good deep breaths today and not just been breathing, you know, automatically? Have you taken some mindful mindful breaths? L is for love and connection, which um, is about have you connected with another person today? Have you given love? Have you received love? Have you connected with somebody else? And um, that, that's probably more important than it has been before. Um, and E is for eat, nourish. So have you 
eaten to nourish your body today? Have you drank some water? You know, because I think sometimes when you're in autopilot and you're just getting on with your day and you're so busy and so busy that sometimes you forget, don't you? You just think, oh, I don't feel quite right. Oh, I haven't had any water this morning or whatever it might be that's missing. So you give yourself one point per acronym. So you could get five out of five in in which case you're probably feeling pretty positive your well-being's probably very high and then if you've sort of got under three you're probably not feeling so great and you can do something that the the key to it is that you can then tweak it so if we walk home from school and I say to the children what's your smile score today and they say they go through it and they might say three I think right what can we do to help you support you for the rest of the day so it might be that they haven't done some good inhale exhale so we'll go outside in the garden we'll do some breathing or um, we'll have some water or we'll have some fruit or we'll have something that's going to give them a little boost or if I know they haven't slept well the night before we'll do something relaxing in the evening you know and you can just tweak it for yourself as an individual, for your family, for the children that you work with, for your staff team, you know, if the whole team is feeling pretty low, what can we do to boost it and just just uh, adjust it accordingly. That's really great. Um, and you talked about sleeping there in terms of like that being one of the, 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 the five. Um, and one of the things that I found like, I suppose a little bit interesting about that is that if you haven't had very much sleep the night before, that you'll do something relaxing in the evening and bring that down. Um, and one of the things that I've learned again as a grown up, I sound like a deadly learner with all this well-being stuff, but <laughs> as a grown up, is that I always thought that I had some sort of an insomnia, I didn't sleep very well. I, I would honestly have told you that I function best on four to five hours sleep, like, and that more than that is no good. I just feel unwell, like, and that, that that's best. That's the way that my body works, and that's great. And, and I didn't recognise how tired I was because that adrenaline would kick in and, and sort of bring us back to life again. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And have you fixed your sleep? Are you, how, how much sleep oh, do you get now? Really well now. I go to bed at latest 10 o'clock and then I'm up again at six or seven. So Beautiful. I get ridiculous amounts of sleep. It's great. I am <laughs> pleased. <laughs> and conversely, I get more done. I'm much more productive now that I sleep properly rather than working longer and getting less sleep. Yeah, we need we need the rest as well, don't we? We need, you know, it's okay. So I, I get up most most days between sort of half four and five, and um, I'm most productive at that time of day. But by about Thursday. My alarm will go off at half past four and I'll lie in bed and I'll, I'll I ask myself the question what does your body need today and usually the answer on a Thursday is more sleep <laughs> and even if I just stay in bed and have a bit more rest it helps it helps with the productivity it helps with <laughs> my emotional um mood you know it just helps with um with with everything because I can cry over nothing at the best of times but even more so when I'm tired <laughs> I get to that really overtired I, I I go two ways I either get overtired and emotional and just cry or I get overtired and a bit hyperactive and just you know run around like a buzzy bee so <laughs> yeah 
I think we've all self-awareness been there. is key. <laughs> it really is. You know, just having an understanding of self-regulation and self having the self-awareness, having um, some emotional intelligence and working on that as your own personal development is going to impact on the children and, and that, that can only be positive really really yeah, can I, I totally agree um where can people find out a little bit more about self-regulation and about sort of the impact that they have on either the children that they work with or the people around them in general there's lots and lots of different um things that you can access online the uh, dr stuart shanker self-regulation center is um full of lots of different resources that you can download uh, for free there's lots of courses on there as well then of course we've got Minay. Um, Minay, um, I worked with Minay on her toolkit, and my um, my children are actually on the app. Um, they do the breathing techniques and they do the tapping techniques on her app. Um, Keep your cool toolkit, um, and so that's there as a free app to download, and there's lots of things on there. You have also got the Relax Kids website. Um, Relax Kids have got coaches in the area that do classes for um, for settings and for in the community and do one-to-one and they have moved on to using zoom um, but as well as that they have got lots of guided visualization books that you can purchase on there and cds and there's also lots of downloads they also do free downloads on the relax kids website for um, keep you calm back to your calm um, with lots of different tools ideas uh, diaries journals you know you name it it's on there um, in regard to positive affirmations and guided visualizations to help you return to that calm there's also dr dan siegel as well there's lots of youtube clips if you're a bit more of a you'd rather watch than read um, there's lots on YouTube on self-regulation. Minay's done some podcasts on there. as, well. And so, yeah, there's quite a lot of stuff out there. And I think it's finding how you learn best and accessing those little bits. But also there are tools that you can use rather than just reading around it and understanding it. There are tools that you can download and use in your home as a parent and in the setting as an educator. Um, it's been really, really nice to talk to you. Um, obviously, we also have some neuroscience in early years qualifications. So if people did want to do some more sort of bigger learning or wanted to, to do some qualifications around um, all of the stuff that we've been talking about, there, there are now some qualifications at level two and at level four. Um, and if you just wanted to explore some stuff, there's some stuff on Cash Alumni and in all of the places that Stacey's mentioned as well. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning. And thanks to you at home. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Podcash. Don't forget, for more great content tailored to everyone in the care and education sectors, you can join our membership network, cashalumni.org.uk. It's free to join and you'll get access to articles from subject specialists, careers advice, job vacancies and our member benefits scheme. If you'd like to feature on a future episode of Podcash, please get in touch with us through the contact details on the Cash Alumni website. Until next time, take care.